Bibles and turn to Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5. We are going to read together verses 33 through 37. Sorry, Nick. I think I said 33 through 34 in my notes. Matthew 5, 33 through 37. Let's see it in unison together. Again, ye have heard that it had been said by them of old time, Thou shalt not forswear thyself, but shalt perform unto the Lord thine oaths. But I say unto you, Swear not at all, neither by heaven, for it is God's throne, nor by the earth, for it is his footstool, neither by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king, neither shalt thou swear by thy head, because thou canst not make one hair white or black. But let your communication be yea, yea, nay, nay, for whatsoever is more than these cometh of evil. God, thank you for your words, your words of life that we just sang about, and especially the words of Jesus Christ himself, while he walked and taught on the face of the earth. God, we ask for the help of your Holy Spirit, and that we would receive your truth and live in light of it. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. You may be seated. So I guess people say that the Sermon on the Mount um, was possibly one of or the only formal sermon that Jesus preached. That being true, it would be an interesting exercise to analyze the content of this discourse topically and see what was central and what was important, if Jesus could only preach one sermon, what would, what would be in it in terms of our, our Christian lives? Don't worry, I haven't, come to, I haven't done that, so I'm not going to hit you with a curveball on that one right now. Pastor Schultze might have a better of a handle on that one than me. But there is uh, one thing that jumped out at me recently about the Sermon on the Mount. And that is that it's serious. This is intense. Um, On Thursday, I shared about um, the seriousness of relationships and the the standard that God holds us to in our relationships. But um, before I talk about um, another serious area that I want to focus in on, let's just look for a second, going through the Sermon on the Mount, You have, first of all, after the Beatitudes, you have a serious call. It says there, hang on a second. It says there that uh, we are the salt of the earth in verse 13. We are the light of the world, it says in verse 14. 
It's us. That's it. The world has no other hope than the truth that can come through us as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ falls. That's a serious call. So we have a serious call. Moving on, we have a serious law. Now, I've acknowledged that the law of God, the Ten Commandments, as those walking in the Spirit ought to be the ground that we walk on. Because Jesus here calls us to higher righteousness. He said, if your righteousness does not exceed the Pharisees, and we know that they walk by the law, and the teachers of the law, you shall in no way enter the kingdom of heaven. Now, having said that, having said that the law is the ground that we walk on, it's a serious law because it says here that um, depending on how you respond to that, if you, if you teach this law and preach it, you'll be the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. How we respond to that law is going to have an effect on our eternity. What kind of a place we take in heaven. That's serious. We have a serious call. We have a serious law. Uh, I mentioned on Thursday we talked about the seriousness of um, how God holds us accountable in our interpersonal relationships. We spoke about um, uh, when it talks about anger, it talks about, um, you know, it has, said, has been said you shall not kill, but Jesus says if you're angry with your brother, uh, it talks about if you say thou fool, there should be in the danger of, of hellfire. That's pretty serious. That if we don't guard our hearts and our judgments of other people, what we say inside of ourselves about other people, if we get to where we get hardened and we can get into a place where eventually, man, that could poison your whole walk with God. Jesus even warned of the dangers of hell. That's serious. And, and the real text that I used on Thursday night was when he talked about, you better get it right with your um, adversary on the way to court. Somebody who has a case against you. In this case, I think the word adversary one commentator means creditor. If you're in a situation with someone, you better get it straightened out before you even get to court. Don't complain about me if justice doesn't work out in your favor. I will not bail you out, says the Lord. That's serious. As believers, he holds us on a tight rein in our conduct with the world. Right. We've got the light. They don't. So that's serious serious relationships. Then he talks about the seriousness of human sexuality. Talks about, uh, about lust in our hearts. Um, being the same as adultery, he says, if, if you can't control yourself, it's better for you to lose a part of your body than for your whole body to go into hell. Serious. And then he talks about the seriousness of the marriage covenant. And he says some things there that were so serious and intense and another account, the disciples couldn't handle it. They said, if this is the case, Jesus is better for not to marry. Now, the disciples couldn't handle it at the time. It seems like most of the church can't handle it today. And they want to seem like that just wasn't even in there or it's not part of Jesus' teaching. Again, so it's serious. Serious on the marriage covenant. Um, and then he goes on to talk about the seriousness of our words. That's what I want to talk about today. Talks about the seriousness of our words, talking about making oaths and just letting your yes be a yes, your no being a no. We'll speak about that in a moment. But just to complete the, the points here, he talks about the seriousness of justice and uh, don't fool with justice. I'm going to take care of it. It's serious. And then he closes with the seriousness of love. So we're such a serious call to love, to even love our enemies, and that's how we be perfect. 
So, so that is one theme that I've been seeing here in the Sermon on the Mount, just the seriousness and intensity of it all. But today I want to talk about serious words. We know that words are a huge area in, in life, in our Christian life, whether we're referring to just saying things that are negative, um, just, ex- just being ex- explicitly complaining about situations or implicitly complaining by our grunts and our, the Bible calls it murmuring. I looked that up once, it refers to a low-pitched rumble. <laughs> Backbiting, words that are just flat untrue, of course, we know that. Um, was it Amy Carmichael that had a test for our Christian words in terms of uh, are our things that we say about others, are they true, are they necessary, or are they kind? Um, finding fault with people, even just our tone, harshness, being unloving, being impatient, um, all these things are, are words which are grieving the Holy Spirit. Um, so, so words are a big area. I can't cover all that today, but the one area mentioned right here in the Sermon on the Mount we want to focus on is um, talking about, this refers to oaths. I want to speak in broad terms, truthfulness or faithfulness in communicating our intentions. Also known as doing what we say we're going to do. Good. That's what it's talking about here in oaths. So I want to just look at this verse, just kind of talk about it for a second, move on to some other verses. That's all I have for you today. Matthew 5.33 and following. Um, so I want to, um, let's see, how are we going to do this here? He refers, of course, to uh, the Old Testament. Thou shalt not forswear thyself, but shall perform unto the Lord thine oaths. Um, He goes on and he concludes with, um, let your yes be a yes. Anything over and above this comes from the devil. What does that mean? Um, If I could paraphrase it here, I might say that Jesus um, was referring back to under the old covenant law, which lacked the time of higher righteousness, the righteousness of the Spirit of God, God condescended, didn't he? Jesus already explained that with divorce and remarriage. He said it was a condescension. This is another condescension. God condescended because of the lack of faithfulness in people's words. We can have a two-tier communication system. That's a cop-out, isn't it? When you really mean what you say, And you want to prove, if somebody else doesn't believe your promise, you can take an oath to convince them that you really mean what you're going to say, you're really going to do what you're going to do, so much so that you, I'm going to give you the right and the power as a human to swear an oath, and you're basically saying, to prove to you that I'm really going to do this, I'm I'm invoking a curse, and if I don't do it, I'm under this curse, whatever the curse would be, okay, you're invoking invoking an oath. Um, And... By that means, the other party knew that they were serious. And as I said, this, the whole need for any kind of communication like that came from the fact that people had a reputation of being unfaithful in their communication or not following through on what they said they were going to do in the first place. Our oaths wouldn't be necessary. Um, and so he said, now basically it's over. You don't need that anymore. 
Because we have the Spirit of God. If you go back to that, you're basically giving place to the devil. wonder what you meant by that. The devil loves to devalue our words, doesn't he? The devil would have us to know that our words don't mean a whole lot. He would have us to know that we're not made in the image of God who created the whole universe through his words and our words don't have power. Therefore, it doesn't really matter what you say or if you say you're going to do something, it doesn't really matter. And that, I believe, is what he meant when he says if you, if you go beyond just simply what you said and leave it at that and that is as good as any oath ever was, you're just playing into the hands of the devil because you're implying that we don't need to hold by that standard and that our words don't mean anything. Going back to, um, let's just check for a second, Numbers 31 and 2, what Jesus was referring back to. Numbers 31 and 2. And Moses spake unto the heads of the tribes concerning the children of Israel, saying, This is the thing which the Lord hath commanded. If a man vow a vow unto the Lord, or swear an oath to bind a soul with a bond, he shall not break his word. He shall do according to all that proceedeth out of his mouth. If they could follow back then, surely we can today. It's, it's amazing that there are, there are diligent uh, unbelievers out there that can hold themselves more accountable to this kind of thing than even some people that profess Jesus. Help us, Lord. Ecclesiastes 5 is interesting too. If you want to look at that for a second. I think Nick might have that for us there. Ecclesiastes 5. Four and six, when thou vowest a vow unto God, defer not to pay it, for he hath no pleasure in fools, pay that which thou hast vowed. Better is that thou shouldest not vow, than that thou shouldest vow and not pay. Suffer, suffer not thy mouth to cause thy flesh to sin, neither say thou before the angel, the messenger, the priest, that it was an error the vow that you made. Wherefore should God be angry at thy voice and destroy the work of thine hands? The main point I'm taking for here is that God is an intelligent, emotional being with sentiments and loving what is right, was angry at these people over their voice. He was angry with them because they said one thing and they, and they did another. Moving on, also one thing that struck me as I was reading my Bible was in Proverbs chapter 6, if you want to look on the screens or turn in your Bible, kind of got my attention. Um, it says there, it's talking about um, make, basically guaranteeing someone else surety. My son, if thou be surety for thy friend, if thou hast striking thy hand with a stranger, Thou art snared with the words of thy mouth. Thou art taken with the words of thy mouth. Do this now, my son, and deliver thyself. When thou art come into the hand of thy friend, go humble thyself and make sure thy friend. Give not sleep to thine eyes, nor slumber to thy eyelids. Deliver thyself as a roe from the hand of the hunter and as a bird from the hand of the fowler. So, the Holy Spirit was saying here that people had basically trapped themselves again by their words, the, the power of their words. 
to put themselves in a position to ob obligate themselves, to obligate themselves, because their words were serious. I can personally recall having conversations with myself about commitments that I'd made, whether it was a ministry appointment, commitment, whatever it was. I can't recall what the specific instant was. And then later on, wondering to myself, wait a minute, is this really the will of God? Did, did I commit myself to something that I didn't know was the will of God? This is kind of embarrassing. If I find out that this is not the will of God, I want the will of God. I'm going to have to go back to these people, humble myself, ask them to forgive me and say, look, I'm really sorry. I hadn't sought the Lord sufficiently for this. I'm going to have to ask to be excused. That's kind of embarrassing, isn't it? I don't know about you, but I'd, be, I'd rather be embarrassed and stay in God's will than do something that wasn't God's will just to save face. But that's how, how, what the kind of situations that our, our words can get us into. Um, a similar thing is reflected in, um, in James chapter 4, verses 13 through 15. Talks again about, about the seriousness of when we communicate our intentions. It's the same Holy Spirit right here in James, right here in Matthew uh, Chapter 5, right back there in Ecclesiastes and Numbers, the same Holy Spirit from cover to cover. Go to now. There's another way of saying, come along. Ye that say today or tomorrow we will go into such and such a city and continue there a year and buy and sell and get gain. For whereas you know not what shall be on the morrow, for what is your life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanisheth away. For that, you ought to say, if the Lord will, we shall live and we shall do this or do that. So again, this pertains to, as Christian people, how we communicate our intentions to other people. And I think what's reflected here is a seriousness that we have and a sensitivity that we have and a carefulness that we have regarding finding and doing God's will as it pertains to what we say about ourselves and what we say we're going to do or where we're going to be or what we, what we commit to as Christian people. If we are serious about finding and doing the will of God in everything, we're not going to make rash statements about our plans or intentions. We may say, God willing, this or that, I'm trusting you, I'm trusting for this or that. Now, we're not going to be religious about vocabulary or nitpicking, but we want to embrace the spirit of valuing and reverencing the will of God and our trust in doing and finding it as, as we communicate our intentions. Does that make sense? Um, a, a, another one in James chapter, this time in James chapter 5, still pertaining to our words and the seriousness of, of our words, just springing off of Jesus' teaching. James chapter 5, verse 12. This is kind of bringing us full circle. We started in the Sermon on the Mount, out of the mouth of Jesus, Holy Spirit. Come all the way over here to James, Holy, same Holy Spirit says exactly the same thing. Above all things, my brethren, swear not neither by heaven, neither by earth, neither by any other oath, but let your yes be a yes and your no, no, lest you fall into condemnation. I was very interested in this, this switch and the ending on this one. Same statement as in the Sermon on the Mount. This time, the issue at hand is falling into condemnation. I wonder what he means by that. 
The condemnation of men or the condemnation of God? Both. You know, we always think of condemnation as a bad word, and there is an inappropriate co condemnation. And when we talk about condemnation in terms of an inappropriate action, it means when you write someone off. You know, you've judged them and you've written them off. It's to devalue someone and just say, now nah, you've been weighed and you're worthless. You know, that's kind of condemnation. But there is an appropriate kind of condemnation. You know, to, when a criminal's condemned, it means his actions have been tried and found wanting. You know, when we're condemned, we can be rightly condemned in the eyes of men because we've done something inappropriate, people know it, and that's just the fact of the matter. We can be condemned in the eyes of God over our actions. Um, so what we're saying here is that we do not want to invoke through our words the just condemnation of God or man because we have a reputation of being unfaithful in our words. Um, there is a degree, degree to which people treat us, deal with us, and respond to us because of our track record, because of our, our history in the past. Um, some of it's appropriate, and some of it the devil tries to get in, and he puts warfare in other people's minds. Let's not get ourselves condemned by man or God because of our words, the seriousness of words. Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you that we have been made in your image. And like you, our words are powerful. As Christ followers, we want to be known as people of integrity in our words. Lord, help us to appreciate the warfare over our words and that we would value every word that comes from our mouths because we will have to give an account for them someday. Thank you, Lord, for your grace to live this. Thank you that the Holy Spirit is our helper in this. Thank you that your will is so valuable in our eyes that we want to be appropriate in making commitments and communicating our future intentions. Thank you, Lord, for your grace and mercy. You know that we do not know the future and the unforeseen things do come up. Thank you for the mercy of others who have excused us when we have had to humble ourselves and retract our words. Thank you, Lord, for this opportunity to be like you and to see your glory in our lives and in this fallen world. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen.